welcome. My name's Jonathan, but all my friends and friends and family call me Joe, so please just call me Joe. Hopefully it's a nice, easy one to remember. Well, um, I'm teaching from England today. It's uh, 60 miles south of London in a place called Brighton. Um, no, actually, I'm British and American. I've got two passports. My mum's Native American Cherokee, so I grew up in kind of Washington State and California, Northern California, so West Side. And um, well, my dad's British Indian, and well, this is uh, why I have a British passport and well, where I went to university. And in fact, um, I went to university and did a computer science degree uh, where I learned pretty much all things computers, so how to build the things and how to how to you know create well programs and uh, different forms of uh, programming, artificial intelligence, AI, and uh, robotics, which was fun. And um, we spent a lot of time programming video games, and wow, it was awesome. I mean. We learned how to do world creation, the graphics, the design, um, the different, uh, you know, all sorts of programming in regards to the different types of games. And well, did I learn a lot? <laughs> and in fact, I learned a few things about the gaming industry. I was kind of surprised by. I was like, "Huh, really? Are you sure we do that?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's that's how how the games are so popular these days." In fact, just so you understand, there are two billion people with the two billion, right, with a B, billion people playing video games today. All right, that's a huge number. But get this, those two billion people, they're making the video game industry not just a lot of money, but $140 billion every year. Now, to give you some sense of how much that is, because I can't even think of a number that big. I mean, it's huge, right? $140 billion, but imagine the, 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 the movie industry and the music industry together are still worth less than the video game industry. It gives you some idea how big that video game industry is. It's pretty big, right? So, um, well, there is no, that's not a mistake. Us programmers, we're very clever. We, we program things to make money. And well, I'm going to talk to you all about that over the next few weeks um, and um, and the different, uh, different things that they do and how they work and might surprise you as well. And well, this class, I'm just going to give you lots of facts. I'm never going to tell you what to do and how to do it. Trust me. There's no point. You're going to do what you want to anyway. But you know what? I think with the right facts, you might be able to make better decisions. So here's the thing. I hope that with these facts that you do have, you know, the ability to make better decisions when it comes to what games you play and how they play and, you know, how they work and what you want to do. But I guess the best place to start is understanding, well, how video games came about to begin with, where they came from, how they how they work, and well, we'll get to the how they work bit in the next class. But today's class is all about the history of video games. Where did they come from? It's really fascinating to think that they've really evolved and, and grown and developed and changed over the years and years and years. And it's only in the last kind of five or six years that we really figured out how to make a huge amount of money. I mean, huge amount of money. And there's a lot of tips and things that we figured out over these last five, 10 years that really changed the world forever when it comes to video games. And let's find out where videos came from. Let's figure out the history. Let's figure out where they started because, you know, Minecraft, Roblox and Fortnite, they, they all had to start from somewhere. And guess what? Those ideas, they're a bit newer. Well, they're, they're much newer than, than you realize. But let's go back in time and, and to do that, I'm going to share a screen with you, which is going to, well, pretty much start us back in the 1940s. And well, the 1940s, look, there was this patent um, that was uh, filed in April 26 of 1940. 
And this was uh, a, a display, a game display, uh, pretty much designed uh, for, well, it was the first ever game of its kind, the first ever traditional game, um, and, and used a computer, a very, very basic computer, and some few flashing lights, you know, kind of on the screen, you know, there, there were these little lights. And, um, and, it, and, it, and the first ever game was called Dim, which players would try to avoid picking up the last matchstick. And so, you know, and, and it was, it's, it's 21 matchsticks and you have to, you know, you pick one, I pick one, you pick one, oh, and you can pick two or three. But the idea is if you left with the last matchstick, you lost the game. And guess what? This computer won 90% of the games. It was pretty good at that. Tens and thousands of people trying to play this matchstick game and the computer wins 90% of the time. It was really ahead of its time. And um, it was pretty basic nonetheless. But, you know, it, it worked and it was officially the first of its kind. So, well, and that was um, uh, done by at the World's Trade Fair by uh, um, uh, Edward U. Uh, Coden, well, who uh, designed it. But uh, yeah, that's where it started. So now we're going to go, well, we're going to skip forward a few years. We're going to go to the 1950 and Claude uh, Shannon uh, lays out the basic guidelines for the first ever chess computer. And well, do we love chess, right? Humans, we've been playing chess for a while. We've been you know enjoying that game for thousands of years but um you know uh well claude he wanted to figure out a, a programming computer chess game and so look how old that thing looks it's like a giant box and they play chess yeah it was pretty basic it didn't quite win a lot of the time but they certainly had a go at it and well that was the the beginning of the chess game world and it's where they started out Okay, so 1952, um, uh, yeah, A.S. Douglas creates the, the Noughts and Crosses game, you know, the XOXO or Tic-Tac-Toe, as we like to call it here. Uh, and um, well, you know, it's this was the first ever kind of variation of, of something different, but it was it was uh, it was a computer-based program. And uh, look how crazy that computer is. I mean, can you imagine trying to have one of those in your bedroom just to play Tic-Tac-Toe? Huh. Not, 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 not these days, right? But yeah, back in 1952, it had to start from somewhere. And well, there it is. Okay, so 1954, programmers at New Mexico's Los, uh, Los, uh, Los Amos Laboratories, uh, the birthplace of the atomic bomb, right? The big bomb. Um, well, these guys developed the first blackjack program on an IBM 701 computer. Now look at that old thing. I mean, it looks like a fridge. And just for you that don't know what blackjack is, it's a card game, right? Playing blackjack and, you know, and so this was, well, the first ever, uh, you know, kind of, you know, card game version of a, on a computer. And IBM, well, these guys, they, they make history. They, they, IBM is a big part of the computer history and the technology world. And, well, you can do some research on IBM another day, but yeah, they, they really did, um, really did take hold of the, the technology world in their time. Okay, so now 1955, um, the, the, well, the military, the US military starts to play and, and design these, these games that are pretty much based on war, you know, like waging war, like, you know, red versus blue players, you know, representing, you know, well, the, the good and the bad, the, the, the you know, us versus them. And so, well, this is the first computer kind of war game. And um, obviously we don't have graphics yet. We don't have TVs and monitors yet. It's very basic, but there we go. There was the first one, 1955. Still pretty, pretty, you know, not terribly exciting yet. 
Okay, 1956, um, look, Arthur Samuel demonstrates his computer checkers program, which is on an IBM. Remember, they've come back, you know, and they're still there. They're, they're really big and on national television. Um, and well, uh, the program program literally defeats um, the checkers master, you know, the, 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 the really best player of checkers um, or drafts, they call it as well. But um, funnily enough, the computer beat him. And uh, yeah, it took a while though. Look, six years later, huh? Um, but um, yeah, it's that was the first one of that kind. All right, 1957, we're getting a little bit more complicated computers can handle look, the IBM 704, which is like a few generations later. And this one is advanced enough to think all of four moves ahead well for uh, evaluate four half moves ahead um at, for, on a chess game and that means thinking like ahead a few moves um now a normal chess master or chess you know really good chess player can think about 20 or 30 moves ahead but um this computer 1957 was doing pretty well and you know it was moving a few moves ahead um oh in 1959 students at mit create a mouse <laughs> you know you know what a mouse is right uh on on uh, the mit's first computer and they use this mouse to draw um a maze and well this maze allows this mouse to navigate the maze and search for cheese and this was the first ever kind of you know mouse seeks out you know, the the, Mar uh, the martians yeah it still somehow you know remembers the path it took so it's 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 the beginning of a classic you know mouse in the maze you know like wow the beginning we start to find the mazes and you know things are getting a bit more interesting rather than just chess or checkers okay so 1960 get this the first ever computer programmer uh john stays at home sick uh from work at ibm and develops um a computer baseball simulation game now this is obviously pretty much a game done in text and it's designed to you know to, it is it is a baseball game but not as you know it there's no graphics no it's all about you know that it would the numbers would be you know uh, come up and you go oh that happens but it literally was a simulation it wasn't exciting but it was the birth of the first sports game 1960 right wow okay so then we move ahead again 1965 a day after Dartmouth defeats a uh, president at 28 14 in a football uh, uh game to win the ivy league championship a Dartmouth student programs the first ever computer game obviously not very graphic not very uh fascinating yet but you know what it was the first of its kind and it was in basic for you and me that's just a programming language and it was a very basic game written in basic programming languages but yeah yeah um okay so now oh the, now we start to go 1968 um we've got patents uh, uh that are more of a television game and so this is like four years later, um, they released this Odyssey box. And this was the first ever home video game um, based on those designs. And they were really basic, but they were. You plug it into your TV and it would allow you to play a few basic games. Not really the games that you and I know today, but it was the first ever kind of its, well, computer home-based game. Okay, so 1970, um, you know, uh, Scientific American publishes the rules for life in Martian gardens, which is a mathematical games column. Anyway, this is the birth of uh, asteroids, right? You, you recognize this. And literally, look at the dots, look how basic the graphics are. Um, and the, you know, this simulation isolated an overcrowded, uh, overcrowded area, and then it would 
but hackers rushed to implement it and, uh, and, and, and make it work. And well, this was officially the first ever asteroids, 1970. Now we're starting to have a bit of fun. Okay, now 1971, I remember this, the Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail was officially um, a story. It was like a simulation on, on, on the pioneers' story into the westward uh, you know, trek of, of America. And it was originally played on a single uh, teletype machine, uh, which, well, it was, it was pretty much just a story base, but it had some very basic graphics on there. And I remember it well, and you kind of had to pick which way you were going to, you know, which things you were going uh, to do to make the story happen. Um, but yeah, I remember this was probably one of the first games I ever played, as, and I'm 38 now. Now, so this is getting pretty old, but uh, I remember this being a thing. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, arcade machines, 1972. So we have uh, these guys uh, develop Atari and arcade table tennis. You know, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and you've got your little paddles moving up and down. And um, and people played it so much that it, it jammed with quarters and Pong was born. The arcade legend was born, Pong. Um, this was really just massive. And uh, yeah, it, it, it got so full of quarters and made so much money, they, they just weren't able to you know empty them quick enough. It, it was a real, real overnight sensation. Okay, in 1973, um, a year after launching the first uh, general computer magazine, Creative Computing, well, these guys um, start to get into, well, they, they start to make a splash. And, uh, and they find creatures hiding in the grid and command the north and you know they make their own games and they publish it into these magazines and these start to take off. And this was, well, you know, computer magazines and gaming magazines, wow, they've really come a long way. But this was the first, check that out. Um, okay, 1974, two decades before Doom and Maze Wars, uh, sorry, Doom, Maze Wars introduced the first person shooter um, uh, by talk, uh, you know, taking players through this maze, through this labyrinth um, of passengers. And, and, and it was, it's, it's called a wireframe. You know, this, this you know, where the, the wireframe and you can kind of look down the corridor and see the doors. This was the first ever kind. And it really was, I mean, years ahead of itself, but Doom, well, 10 years later, uh, was like yeah yeah 20 years later in uh, was um, was based on this kind of design this frame wireframe graphics but 1974 we saw the first one okay 1975 Atari so this you know Atari was like uh, imagine Nintendo or Sega Atari was like the original best one to begin with and um, we obviously don't have Atari around in the same way anymore but Atari right here well introduces the first home version of Pong and it literally was a little like a little box you plugged into your, your TV and it would allow you to play Pong, bing, pong, bing, pong. right and um, and this was well this was an overnight sensation here but look how basic it was it had two controllers up and down and a start button and an on off button that was it pretty much basic but it worked okay and 1976 um we go into what are called text-based games or well some of you might know them as computer role-playing games but these were based and inspired around dungeons and dragons you might have heard of dungeons and dragons so um it's like oh uh welcome to and, and it will say welcome to the 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 uh castle um the door is in front of you do you knock on the door or do you look for another passage and then you have a choice do i knock on the door or do i look for another passage uh, you knock you so you click a and then oh you knock on the door um the door opens with a creak 
do you walk in or do you turn away? And so every time you do something, it allows you to make a choice. And depending on the choices you have, determines if you are um, if you are going to win or not. But this was literally based and inspired on Dungeons and Dragons, which many people still play today. It's a board game, and well, and and it's called a text-based game or a role-playing game. Amazing beginning of that world. Okay, 1977. Look, Atari is back releasing the video computer system, more knownly, commonly known as Atari uh, 2600. And well, this was the first of its kind with a joystick, interchangeable cartridges, which means you can put one thing in and play one game, and then take that game out, and put another game in, and play that game. And and it allows you to select difficulty levels, and it makes well, it just it overnight sensation makes it to millions of American homes, and once again you plug it into your tv and this was officially the game console of its time it was the nintendo or sega of its time it really was it was nothing like it in the world okay so atari's having fun with that and then look 1979 um space invaders shows up uh, out of japan and this was well it, it really changed um the arcade system the arcade world in fact they 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 have a quarter the, the equivalent of a japanese quarter the the 100 yen coins well they there was so many people using them in the arcades that they actually started to run out of these coins they had a shortage of their quarters their equivalent of their quarters in, in japan because so many people were using them in the machines and well this took off and we ended up in america and obviously took over the arcades and well this was uh, also one of the first games that they started to do is competitions like people would play 36 hours on one quarter uh, and, and never lose and it was a lot of strategy and they would stay awake and play and just to get the highest score and there were big competitions where you won money and other things are like you know you might know of esports today or the, the giant kind of competitions in the gaming world well this one the space invaders pretty much where it started okay okay next one uh, 1979 uh, mattel uh, brings out their own version of the handheld electronic game uh, which um which well it, it was pretty basic it's not exactly like the nintendo switch that we have today but mattel, mattel sells well three million of these and they do quite well so yeah this was the you know the first smaller one Okay, look, 1980, well, look at that, Pac-Man showing up, and we all know Pac-Man. These start to be games that we, you're going to be familiar with now, but um, it was designed by Atari, and it was the first arcade hit to appear on home consoles, and later, Mrs. Pac-Man uh, uh, you know, shows up, and there's a whole interesting story about how that, that, that the, the Mrs. Pac-Man showed up, because they were designed, or it was pretty much you know, a bunch of programmers decided Pac-Man wasn't good enough and wanted a new version with all the different customizations. And so they hacked it. They, they decided to change all the programming of, the, of the, 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 the computer, but without actually telling Atari. And Atari came and was like, huh, yeah, you guys have done something. And well, long story short, they ended up making a lot of money and, and teaming up with Atari and it was all turned out fine. But actually during the time, it's quite a bit of a, you know, ooh, this is all a bit, you know, crazy going on. You shouldn't have been doing that. And yeah, there was, there was an interesting story related to that, but that's for another day. Okay, so 1991, this was a year before I was born. Uh, video game fans are Nintendo's really starting to make a splash. Now, Donkey Kong, uh, which was known for, you know, chasing you know, the donkey and throwing the barrels and, and you know, Mario has to run along and, you know, jump over the barrels and save the princess. 
at all started in 1981 and well mario brothers was my generation kind of like that's why i started playing the da -da 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 yeah even the theme tune still stuck in my head <laughs> um 1982 disney taps on the video game industry and well we all know who disney is don't we and and well they start by releasing the movie tron an arcade game featuring many of the of uh you know the 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 the, the, the bits that were originally in the original movie but um well it's it's um yeah it's a big one that one Trump and uh, 1983 now multiplayer games start to take over so not just one or two players but actually three four more players this was uh where mules came into uh, play and we start to see a lot more multiplayer games after this point which was uh, a real turning point for games as well Okay, 1984, I mean, who doesn't know Tetris, right? And this is a mathematical game, it's more of a puzzle, it's highly addictive. And now we start to understand, wait a minute, huh, we can make games addictive. The game leaks out and, um, and five years later, Nintendo builds their very own version on the new Game Boy. And that Game Boy I had when I was a kid and I was so addicted to Tetris. It was the first game that I ever just, I couldn't put down. I loved it so much and, and it gets faster and faster. And I think you've all played your version of Tetris, but this is when it started. And oh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's an old one, but we start to learn how to make video games addictive now. And that's interesting because we start to learn the first little tips and tricks, but this is where it began. And we're going to talk about all those tips and those tricks and the addiction parts and kind of how those work in the next lesson but for today we're going to stay with the history bit okay okay 1985 nintendo goes awesome with their first ever nes system nintendo entertainment system which well it rivals all the other systems on the industry and it really captures the market and oh it was you know all the different games that's had mario brothers the, the, the duck shooting games or the sports games i mean literally there was so many games that you could get with this it was the thing of its time it made billions okay uh, 1986 we start to see educational software come out and you know more educational type games uh, readers uh, uh the reader rabbit program uh, and there were many other types of uh it types of educational games mathematical uh, typing program games um but um these well started to uh started to compete with some of the other ones but obviously yeah it was a lot harder to compete with the video game industry if you're a learning program versus you know a mario brother type gaming program there's yeah you can start to see where you know they were trying to do some good with it but actually the the other game started to take over all right 1987 this is where zelda was born legend of zelda and it was a huge success you know once again it was a part of nintendo um but it was a strategic game it was about the maps and you know finding things and you know if you needed you know you had to you know go on a quest and you know you had to get certain things to you know achieve that quest it was a game changer this one as well really did you know changed a lot of you know how we play and you know if you want to think about it minecraft and the moving around and kind of the maps and all of that stuff was a bit to do with this so uh, and it has also had a bit to do with role playing as well that that kind of you know dungeons and dragons feel remember back there on the, you know, the few slides ago so it's kind of evolved already into this and well 1988 we have our first proper graphic um sports football game and this uh john madden football game well it was the first realistic uh, uh 
football game now of its time. And I remember my friends going crazy for this because it was like it, everyone loved football and this was it. And you could out now be different teams on, on, on you know, on, it was just wow. It really did really did change the world this one in, in sports related games and this is where a lot of the sports games will come from okay 1989 wow nintendo's first game boy uh which is a handheld device you know it's like that big about the size of a controller had batteries in it had a little cartridges that you could take in and out um to play um but um it was just awesome because you could travel with your games you know be in the back of a car and you know just like a, you guys have your ds's this was the birth of that um, and um, you know the first one it was kind of a, a green screen there wasn't any color it was pretty basic the first one but they advanced every year they advanced a lot um, okay 1990 Microsoft shows up and we've got computers in our homes now we've got you know Windows 3.0 which was wow uh, and it, every Windows 3.0 computer came with solitaire and which was a classic card game and um, it was just a part it became a part of everyday home life excuse me and and it was in our every computer we start to find games now and so not just games on a console not just games on a on a handheld device but now you could have games on your computer this changes everything right okay 1991 Sega shows up, Sega, right? If you've ever seen one of those commercials, uh, everyone thinks of that, that right at the end, they shout Sega always. And in my head, that's always there. Um, but um, this was a huge marketing campaign and Sonic the Hedgehog took over and this was a fast, fast playing game. But Sega was, you know, competing against Nintendo. They were competitors, you know, they were completely trying to, you know, one doing the other one and beat the other one. And they were both fighting for the same customers and the same money. So each one, were continuously trying to do better than the other one. So Sega was was kind of their, the the Sega's uh, sorry Sonic the Hedgehog was Sega's response to Nintendo. Kind of like, hey, we want some of that money. We're going to get some. All right, now uh, all right. So 1992, Dune um, uh, establishes this real popular you know military type game stuff. This was on computers. It was very strategic. It was. Uh, lots of forces and opponents and you know it was kind of a new type of game it was quite popular and it's time um, but was the birth of many other games as well kind of this idea um, okay Mortal Kombat now if you've ever played Mortal Kombat you know it's a pretty pretty violent game 1993 these were showing up in arcades and this caused a lot of controversy in the industry um, video game creation uh, instantly after this needed a video game rating system like you know on movies it's got like 18 12 or whatever the age group it because of this game it was so violent and so many people were so angry about kids playing such violent games that they started the video game rating system and so now you have games that are rating 18 or older or 12 or you know it allows you to know if the game is suitable for your age kind type because this game made the rules it wasn't suitable and a lot of grown-ups weren't happy about their kids playing on it and it was pretty violent if you ask me i was like blood everywhere and you, you could you know you know the, the, the character could, could you know grab the other character's heart and you know it'd be bump, pumping in their hands still I mean, it was pretty pretty yeah pretty violent it got to be said okay but that was the first of its kind and wow did it shock the world yeah not always in a good way either 
Okay, 1994, um, we have Warcraft um, showing up, which is a real-time strategy game, which, well, introduces millions of players to, well, gaming in itself. And this was on the computer. So, you know, it's once again, one of those games that you could play uh, on the computer with loads of friends, and it was a bestseller. It was absolutely huge. Um, and so um, now, 1995, Sony uh, releases their PlayStation in the US, um, and this was selling for $100 or less. And well, this price point, Nintendo and Sega just couldn't keep up that year. That was just, you know, they really sold a lot of them. And, uh, and it became a dominant home console uh, and, and really blew Sega and, and Nintendo out of the water that year. That was a real, real threat to them. That price, you know, 100 bucks, it was pretty good. And it had a few, fair few games too. <laughs> okay, 1997. All right, now we, we've uh, computer. You know, we, we've invented a computer so powerful that the the supercomputer can now uh, beat the world champion in uh, well, uh, Deep Blue, uh, which was uh, the world's chess champion. And this, well, it was literally a huge computer designed for playing chess, and it did. It beat the world's best chess player that year, and no one think anyone it, it would any computer could do it. This one did. Huh. Okay. Uh, 1998 Legend of Zelda. Um, now this is now advanced, obviously from the original Zelda. We've gone into kind of way more graphic, way more memorable musical stuff, way more puzzles, way more interesting characters. I mean, everything's just going bigger and better and harder. And they know how much money they're making now. They're getting that their formulas worked out. They're figuring out what people like. They're figuring out how to make people play longer. They're figuring out things a lot now. Okay. EverQuest was Sony's online entertainments, but this leads to hundreds of thousands of users um, uh, uh, to, to play, um, well, to play multiplayer online. This is one of those first online proper, just everyone takes takes over and wants to play, you know, like you can with Minecraft or Roblox on, on the internet. You know, this was kind of what, this was the mother of them. You know, it was the, hey, this is how, you know, we, it began. Okay, so EverQuest, and now 2000, you've probably heard of The Sims before, right? Well, this is when The Sims first ever showed up as the first simulation utopia game. Uh, you could create civilizations and SimCity showed up uh, and we had, yeah, it's it just, this one was a bestseller on computers instantly and became really popular with female game players because obviously it was uh, a lot of male um, uh, sport games. This was a, a real winner, especially amongst the female players. Um, it was a lot of fun. It is. I remember it well. Okay, 2001, wow, who doesn't know what an Xbox is? Microsoft enters the video game market and, well, invents the Xbox and has games like Halo. And four years later, uh, the I Xbox 360 gains millions of fans with the advanced graphics and online playing, which this now plugs into. So not just a computer plugging in online now, but your console, your, your games console, this plugs in too, and well, you all know that every, all of them do that now, but this was the first one to do it back in 2001. Okay, um, Xbox released a few other, you know, interesting games, these army games, which become quite popular and they're a lot more serious, a lot more grown up and well, grown ups start playing a lot more as well. And look, you've got your teen rating down there telling you that you've got to be at least a teen to be playing this. So the rating system's in effect now and, you know, you know grown ups are playing a bit more as well not just Mario Brothers or Tetris or Pong or right the kiddie games but a lot more serious games now too okay 
2003, uh, PC games just release um, a bunch of games that literally allow the world to download games, update games and play games. And so it's like the Netflix of the gaming world was released in 2003 and it was called Steam. And it was very popular and well, instant overnight success. All right, 2004, ha, we're starting to recognize our handheld devices now, aren't we? Nintendo, you know, really hits back, maintains that dominance on the handheld markets and releases the Nintendo DS. And it's so easy and portable and it's just got faster and it's got more screens and more capabilities and it's touchscreen and it was a lot of fun. And in fact, they've got newer versions of this now, which are even bigger, better and faster, like the Nintendo DS Switch, which some of you probably know of. Okay, that was the, yeah, the, the, the baby brother of the Nintendo uh, Game Boy. This was you know, the, the, the grown up version of it at its time, the Nintendo DS. Okay. Now Xbox are going to release the Xbox 360, which has got high definition uh, graphics and more realistic gameplay and is even better for multiplayer uh, uh, competitions. And well, uh, this thing makes a big splash in the industry, sells millions of them, makes uh, Xbox a lot of money and pushes them back into the game of being one of the leaders at that time. Um, Nintendo fights back and releases the Wii. And uh, well, the Wii gets gamers off the couch and moving more. This is motion sensors involved. There's you know, new games where you play tennis and bowling and more, more new sporting types. And it appeals to different types of players that had never liked video games before. And so this really took on a new market, a new customer. It was really clever how they did that. And uh, really you know, just brought a whole new type of customers to the video game industry that would have probably never have come if it had not been more active, more you know, involved, more you know, getting up the couch and actually doing stuff. Okay, then 2007, grab your guitar, microphones, bass drums and start with the rock band because this will allow you to actually play music and you know, had guitars you could play and you know, hit stuff and allow musicians to really take, uh, you know, have a bit of fun with the games. And once again, the gaming industry is trying to figure out how to get more customers and how different types of customers they hadn't had before. This one did it for the musicians. And now 2009, um, we're starting to see social games, you know, these Farmville, uh, Angry Birds, ha, who doesn't know what Angry Birds is, right? These things shake up the industry. Millions of people who never considered themselves gamers are now playing them and they're playing them on Facebook and on iPhones and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, these things popped up on and well, we just once again, when I say we, the programmers, figured out how to get more games into your hands from anywhere, right? And we're getting smarter, we're getting a lot smarter now. We started to really understand how to make a game addictive and how to put it on any device. 2010, wow, Minecraft, the birth of Minecraft. Who doesn't know what Minecraft is now? This addictive brick building game from a Swedish developer takes over the world. And look at the graphics of like the original 2010 version. It's come a long way, huh? Still blocky, but definitely a lot better in the graphics. Um, but yeah, this is where it started. Okay, 2011, we start to see, uh, you know, all sorts of other types of games coming out uh, on the portals and different characters and, you know, Disney's kind of, you know, getting more involved with the toy industry and the games and, and, and they're, everyone's starting to create different figurines and it's not just about the games anymore. Now it's about selling the products and the other, you know, promotions and other, you know, all the, the stuff that goes with it, it kind of takes over a lot of people's lives and there's like, oh, how could we sell more stuff? So they start doing it. Okay, 2012, 
All right, um, this crowdfunding company that you know makes you know, you know, new companies kind of helps new companies. They start experimenting with new types of consoles, the the Oculus, um, and uh, these are you know, new types of things that are coming out at that time. And um, you know, some didn't work, some did, but you probably haven't heard of one of the two of those, and that might be why. Hmm? Okay, uh, 2013, um, we've got new games like Gone Home, The Last of Us, and Papers. Um, and these are, um, you know, tough, emotional, complex games with different worlds and are definitely for grown-ups and mature video players. They're definitely not kids' games. But this hits, again, a whole new market of different types of people, okay, that weren't ever playing before, right? Okay, so now, um, oh, 2014, we have, well, you guys have seen some free to play well um becomes one of the, the the dominant business models where you know you 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 go in and you you know clash of the clients world of tanks and they are free to play but except you are you know paying um money on in-app purchases the microtransaction payments on in-game items and premium content 2014 we invented the in-app purchase this was insane this changed everything and we're going to talk a lot about this in the next lesson when we talk about how the industry is kind of, you know, doing some of those secret sneaky things, this is where we got the first one, right? We figured out how to make stuff addictive. We figured out how to start making you play lots because we can put it on everything. But this one, this is where we start to make a lot of money. I say we again, the programmers, right? Not necessarily me, but you get it. Um, and yeah, millions of dollars. But remember today, it's a $140 billion industry. 2014, it was only millions come a long way right okay 2015 one year after being acquired by amazon online video streaming uh, service uh, twitch fuels its growth into esports and wow esports becomes a new millions of people watching actually people play video games in championships and you know playing to playing to win competitions and oh, changes the industry again doesn't it because now even more people are playing everyone wants to win everyone wants to make some money from it and everyone thinks they can not always the case though is it hmm. i don't know anyone that has but it's a clever marketing thing i gotta tell you it worked because well now uh, 2016 hey pokemon shows up and we guys everyone knows pokemon now it's not just a cartoon on tv anymore but it becomes a massive hit game. And once again, it's a free to play type game that you download on your, you know, your phone or uh, your computer, whatever it is. But now you start to, um, you know, you start to, uh, you know, have to pay more in-app purchases. Now, the problem with this game is uh, there were a lot of debate about if it was good, if it was, uh, if it was the way of the future of video games. I've even heard of people, uh, you know, getting hit by cars trying to chase a Pokemon on their phone, looking at the phone, walking into the middle of the road. I've heard horror stories about this one. So um, yeah, if you're playing this game, be careful with it. It's a dangerous one. But I think there are warning labels on there now telling you to be careful on that because that's happened. Okay, 2017, as smartphones and tablets become really popular, Nintendo Switch kind of goes through the roof. And this was, well, the big brother of the baby Nintendo or the Nintendo DS. And this has got, you know, full color, lots of different awesome games, high processing power, longer battery life. I mean, everything about it is just bigger and better than the previous versions. And it, it's, it's a big, big hit. It, it does take off. It goes a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? And um, 
yeah, um, there, there we go. So now uh, 2017, uh, we come 2018, Microsoft, Xbox, um, adapt to controller and I was gaming uh, to now just take on a whole different level and uh, you know communicate with, with computers. And so now we've now connected the two and allows you to do so many more things and well, play so many more games and have so many different types of devices and hang out with different types of people. Okay, this was last year, 2019, millions of players start to play, well, Fortnite. And who doesn't know Fortnite? The game which earned 2.4 billion um, in uh, 2018 was respawned two days later with a new map dubbed Fortnite Chapter 2. And literally, they've been making billions of dollars off of this game ever since that release. And I'm saying billions, it's insane, the amount of money that they've made off of this. Funnily enough, this happens to be top of my list as one of the most addictive games of all time, right now at least anyway, um, where they have figured out the formula so well that it is just sucks you in. And we're gonna talk about all of that in the next lesson. Uh, we're gonna talk about the formula, how games have become addictive now, how they uh, uh, are using those tips and those tricks, that formula to, uh, to get your money. And we'll talk about those in-app purchases a bit more and some of the things that they're, uh, they're, they do to get that money from you without you noticing too much. Um, saying that, I had a student yesterday tell me he'd spent $3,000 in Fortnite in the last few months. And last week, I had a student tell me he'd spent $1,000 on Fortnite this month on his mom's credit card uh, without her knowing because she didn't realize, he didn't realize it was real money. And yeah, you can see how this has been causing problems, this one. And it's not just Fortnite. There are a few on there. But we're going to talk about that in the next class. But that's our history lesson for today. And that's where we've gone from. And here we come to. Now, obviously, it's 2020 this year. And well, what a year, huh? <laughs> but um, well, that's enough for today. I hope you've enjoyed the class. Um, if you have absolutely any questions whatsoever, please, you know where to find me. And in the next class, well, we're going to get into really the details of how this industry really works to uh, make you slightly addicted and take a bit of your time and make a bit of money from you. Yeah, it's true. It's how it works. But that's why they're there doing it as well. And yeah, the, that's why you play. Well, is it? Is it really? Are you playing because you're happy or does it make you? Hmm. That's going to be something we'll talk about then too. But why you play, how much you play. Very good questions. We'll be coming to that later. So here's the homework for the week. Press pause so you can write down the questions and get them answered for me. And here's the last page. I look forward to hearing and seeing what you come up with and I'll uh, see you in the next class.